We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Dynasty Recast on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by the Blue Wire Network. NFL Draft is in the B-O-O-K-S. NFL Draft is in the books. We've got rounds one through seven. We've got UDFAs. We've got so much to cover, how it impacts. We're going to cover, for the most part, the rookies themselves today. And then, as always, next week we'll hit on how, where the rookies went, ended up uh, impacting the other players' on those teams. Um, but we're actually going to start by breaking that rule. Dan, how are you today? I, I'm good. We're, we seem to be on a decent trend here, knock on wood. But uh, we, we're back. The draft is in the wrap. Some, some chaos happened. Uh, it's this, this was one of the years it felt like everybody kind of just did their own thing. It wasn't like, uh, oh, well, we got to abide by the trends of the NFL we saw a lot of teams go in whatever path they wanted to go and do things that that were pretty unconventional. And I guess it's kind of new to us, so we'll, we'll see how everything plays out. But it was at the very least entertaining. Absolutely. All right. Um, so we're going to start off by talking about Bijan Robinson. Uh, not a lot changes from Bijan Robinson's dynasty value. He went the eighth overall pick. We were expecting him to go as a top 12 pick. He goes to a young offense in the Atlanta Falcons, Have has Desmond Ritter, Drake London, Kyle Pitts, a lot of weapons for Desmond Ritter. So we'll start by talking about Bajan Robinson. I know you weren't, you're not a fan of Ritter, and therefore you're probably not a huge fan of this landing spot. Where are you at with, with Bijan Robinson today? Well, okay, so it's not it's not that I don't, I mean, Bijan Robinson is, obviously the RB one, he was the one guy in, in the rookie drafts that was like, yes, this is our, our, you know, projected first round, you know, dynasty startup guy that we're going to get because every class seems to have at least one of those. It, it has more to do with the offensive scheme and the rest of the weapons. So Bijan to me, uh, you know, the, the zone Arthur Smith scheme is 
probably going to be end up being good for Bijan Robinson. I, I just don't have faith in the rest of it as in its entirety. It, it's going to be a rushing offense. I still think that they're going to have these other guys involved at least early on, which it won't matter in the long run. So none of this is is a hit towards towards Bijan. He, he's going to be a first round startup pick. He's got absolutely your your one oh one in one QB. You can make the case for him in Superflex. I wouldn't pick him one oh one in Superflex, but this is very much like the Kyle Pitts of a couple of years ago that obviously this guy is super talented. I'm not in love with the situation. I do still think it's going to be valuable for a running back. I'm, I'm not a huge believer of the Des Ritter in this offense, and I'm completely fading at this point Pitts and London because of the way this offense is built. This offense is is a bait your studs to get your other guys open. They're still going to get targets. They're still probably going to do okay, but Pitts isn't a top three tight end. London isn't a wide receiver one. People having him there, I, I struggle with that valuation. Obviously, it's all opinion-based anyways. We will see at the end of the season. I just don't see a world where both of those guys are doing the things that Julio and Calvin Ridley were doing a few years ago in a different scheme. Um, I would say that Bijan Robinson is going to be a top half RB1, though. That I do believe in. I think short-term, it, it makes sense. Bijan is a good dynasty asset. He's a good redraft asset. He's good all around. I, I really don't think you can miss. I would say if you're in a rebuilding phase and you have 101, trade it for the world because you're not going to do anything with RB points in the next three years. Yeah, and looking at Bijan Robinson's box score scout with his draft position of eight overall, has a 94-sim uh, score with Ezekiel Elliott, 89-sim score with Todd Gurley, 71-sim score with Sean Marino, 70-sim score with Garen McFadden. So pretty much all successful fantasy assets there. Um, and in terms of the landing spot in the Falcons offense, they were a run-heavy offense last year, and selecting an, a, a, a running back eight overall is only going to make them more run-heavy or yep. just as run-heavy. Um, I do kind of agree with you that Algier isn't necessarily dead fantasy-wise. I'm not saying you're going to want him in your lineup week to week, but he can certainly serve as a bi-week fill-in. He can certainly be a top-end handcuff because the thing is that like, if this is a high-volume uh, high rushing offense, if Bajan Robinson misses games, they're not going to be like, oh, Robinson's out, so we're going to throw the ball 40 times. They're going to be like, Robinson's out, so we're going to give the ball to Algier 20 times a game. So there are definitely some range of outcomes that result in Algier being a worthwhile asset. So don't go cutting Algier in Dynasty or selling him for a third-round rookie pick. I would I would need, like, the probably most likely outcome if you're doing an Algier trade, potentially most likely an Algier trade to the Robinson manager, it would be Algier and a third for a second. Picking up a second is probably the best you can do, and you're probably going to have to add something on in order to get that second. And uh, uh, to add on to the other guys not, you know, uh, not potentially being uh, dead – it, we so we we know that the Falcons over the last over the last couple of years uh, have not been very high highly sought after as far as running back targets go. Well, they didn't have the players for it. Some analysts say. Well, let me raise you a Cordero Patterson, who was a wide receiver convert that just all of a sudden became one of the better backs in the NFL. Still has the pass catching chops. He's great in the open field. So you tell me that they didn't use Cordero Patterson in that fashion 
because he couldn't do it because they didn't have the bodies. Tyler Algier, whatever, he can still be a between the tackles guy. They have they have now three backs that all probably deserve playing time. But I don't see the pass catching upside for Bajan Robinson in this system with this quarterback. Maybe in the future, if things change, if this if this scheme continues to develop. But the argument that they didn't have the players to have the running back have a pass catching role is <laughs> is absurd to me. You had a wide receiver playing running back, and you're going to tell me that that they didn't have the the players. Obviously, John Robinson is better at pretty much everything than Cordero Patterson. I will say Cordero in in space in the open field uh, is inarguably elite. Uh, he will more than likely be a Hall of Famer because of his return skills. But you know. It, to, to say that none of this was was relevant prior to Bijan because of the players is is a bad take. Yeah, and in terms of wrapping up uh, Falcons veterans talk, uh, Desmond Ritter. I'm a Desmond Ritter apologist, so I'm gonna you know spin this however I I want to for him. But what I see this as is they're they're giving Desmond Ritter zero point zero chance of having any sort of excuse if Desmond Ritter cannot be successful in an offense with three elite prospects, elite weapons, then he's not going to be successful in the NFL, which is definitely very possible. He's a third round NFL draft pick. Um, but I, I'm buying, I'm buying Ritter for a second round rookie pick type and super flex, you know, a, a late third, early fourth and, and one QB potentially, but very much aware that the floor with Ritter is absolutely zero. Uh, let's move on to the lions and their trade. They made um, actually they made several trades. They traded down from, uh, from six to 12 ended up drafting Jameer Gibbs. And then later in draft weekend traded Deandre Swift after they'd shown their hand that they basically did not care about Deandre Swift getting a uh, 20 25 fourth and a swap of, of seventh round picks. Um, we'll start with Gibbs and then go to Swift. Um, the only answer to this is that Gibbs is the second best non QB in dynasty right now in rookies in rookie drafts he's the 102 in one qb he is um you know 103 104 105 however you want to rank it with the qbs we'll talk about the qbs in a little bit but i love jack jackson and jay ben we'll talk about him some, some more as well but i don't see any way that you can rank these wide receivers that went in the 20s over a running back who isn't supposed to go in the teens at 12 i can I, may I present to you the historical Detroit Lions running back that data following Barry it Sanders. It does not matter. You man. keep saying that it doesn't matter, yet they draft these guys highly over and over and over and over not and over 12, again. They have never drafted a, a running back top 12. When was Swift taken? Like 35? When was Javid Best taken? Like 30? When was uh, Kevin Johnson, Mikel LaShore? All of these guys with all of this draft capital over and over and over and over again. They continue to do it, and it never works. This is not going to be any different unless they use him specifically, and and I mean very specifically, as a wide receiver. He can play the slot. He can run those routes out of the backfield. David Montgomery is going to dominate the two-down work. Jameer Gibbs will be used exclusively as a wide receiver, or this, too, will fail. He is not a running back. I, I Like, I get... People want to make the comparisons to Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara in college, Alvin Kamara in the NFL ran way harder, way harder than Jameer Gibbs has ever run on any play in his life. 
This is Gio Bernard at best. At worst, I mean Isaiah Peed. I, I, I don't I don't know what to do with this. I it'd be cool to see the the Lions finally get a successful running back. I have zero, zero, zero faith. And I know using oh the players don't it doesn't matter. You know what? It's gotten to the point where it does matter because we are on year 25 of it mattering. I'm not. I don't care about the historical <laughs> perspective. Of but can you agree that he is better suited as a pass catcher than as a between the tackles runner? No. Yeah, sure. Okay. A guy who is su- a guy who is sub 200 pounds should probably not be, you know, running a ton. Um, but. That's why you have a, a guy like um, David Montgomery, where you know Jameer Gibbs can be this, you know, you know, out of the backfield type extraordinaire. Um, so yeah, with Jameer Gibbs loading up his box score, so I, I, my biggest thing is that uh, targets are not as sticky as carries, but targets are more important than carries. More valuable for sure. Um, so I think that you know. If Jameer, if Jameer Gibbs' first four to five years in the NFL looks like 12 carries and seven targets, he is going to be a top four dynasty running back. He's going to be a top four scoring running back every single year. We haven't seen his profile, looking at the box score scout, we haven't really seen his type of profile get selected top 12 in the NFL draft before. The guys that are similar to him are not that similar. Uh, Sim score of 60 is C.J. Spiller. That's the easy comparison for undersized guy who's going to get used out of the backfield. Travis Etienne, the guy who went a few picks later, um, went at pick 25 in his draft, and he has a 25 Sim score. So we don't have a lot of ton of comparables for Gibbs. Um, my biggest thing is that he's going to get the volume, whether it be rushing, passing, whatever. Um, and none of the wide receivers went high enough or to perfect enough landing spots for me to have them over Gibbs. So I think that you have Gibbs somewhere in the mess of, of, of uh, Anthony Richardson and, um, and CJ Stroud in Superflex, And then in, in one QB, I think that he's the easy one Oh two. Are you, are you, and we can talk about JSN when we get there, but would you have JSN over Gibbs in one QB? Yeah, I, I might, I, to be honest with you, I might even consider Addison just because I think Addison has more short-term value than Gibbs does. Um, David Montgomery is going to be a problem for two years. They'll cut him after that because that's when they have the out. So whatever. And and I mean, if David Montgomery comes in and he ends up being, you know, super efficient, you know, four and a half yards of carry, whatever, for him, that's very efficient. Uh, but there there's a chance that, David Montgomery comes in and now is the new Jamal Williams. Uh, you know, we we wanted to see this backfield and and how coherent it was last year, and the split was very evident, and it became Jamal's backfield very quickly. I feel like there's a chance that this is going to become David Montgomery's backfield very quickly because the, he the, is better between the tackles, and that matches Dan Campbell's system much the better. Different, the difference, the biggest difference between, and some people will say this matters, some people will say it doesn't. The biggest difference between comparing Swift Williams to Gibbs Montgomery is that Swift was not drafted by Dan Campbell and company. Gibbs was. Sure, but he has the same type of profile that that Gibbs had, and it didn't work. Did it? Like he was extremely efficient on a per touch basis. They just refused to use him more than eight touches a game. I feel like it got worse as time went on, unless I'm mistaken. I don't have the numbers right in front of me. Um, while we're talking Swift, and maybe you're looking up the Gibbs numbers as well, uh, DeAndre Swift going to Philadelphia Eagles. 
I do. I, I'm a huge DeAndre Swift fan. I think this is going to be a very good move. I do somehow sense that this is probably going to be a better NFL move than it is going to be a good fantasy or dynasty move. I think that that Swift is going to you know split carries with Rashad Penny and Boston Scott. And I think that Swift still has legitimate like RB2 dynasty and fantasy ability. But I think that if people are thinking he's going to walk in and just take the entire workload, they're probably mistaken. Yeah, I don't see the world where where that's a, a very clear bell cow situation. I do I do love it. I, I think that pairing with Jalen Hurts is is great from a yardage and touch perspective. Uh, I worry about red zone opportunity and and you know touchdown production, but it it should theoretically be a match made in heaven for that offense. However, you know. Looking at the the Penny Swift situation, if Penny's healthy, he's going to dominate between the tackles. If Swift's healthy, he's going to dominate the pass catching work. I still think you can look at probably something like 80 targets for someone like Swift, and you can probably gather 200 plus carries for Penny. Assuming both are healthy, that's a really good 1A, 1B situation. Um, now, going back, Gibbs probably has a chance to get 65, 70, 75 targets, even as a rookie, but I don't see him eclipsing 100 carries in any stretch of the imagination. If he does, he has a very good chance at sneaking into like low-end RB1. Um, so there, there is a chance. I just don't have faith as him in him as a runner between the tackles. I do think he is great, if not bordering elite as far as a pass catcher and getting him in space yeah and so where do you see where where do you, i guess we'll, we'll do this for both players gibbs and swift where do you project a floor ceiling for gibbs for 2023 only and where do you project swift for a floor ceiling I, I, I'll, I'll start actually no you start from my dog's <laughs> floor floor for gibbs i mean it's got to be somewhere in like the low rb3 area uh just because i do still think montgomery is going to dominate most everything early once they get jameson williams back that becomes fewer targets to go around um you know uh, amon ross st brown is going to dominate targets in that offense obviously so i would say gibbs's floor is fairly low but i do think his ceiling is like fringe rb1 if he starts to get carries whether he's good or efficient with them or not Carries matter. If he can somehow muster up 150 carries and he's working with like 80 targets, um, yeah, he's going to be a fringe guy because I think that offense is going to do well enough and score enough that it's going to matter. Swift, uh, I think I can see him in a in a on honestly a pretty similar ballpark. I see these guys almost along the uh, the same lines, cut from the same cloth, if you will. Um, I just if if Penny's not healthy. Swift has a chance in that offense to be, I mean, a, a low-end RB1. I wouldn't even say fringe. I think he's got a chance to be RB8 to 12 uh, with, you know, if it's his backfield. If they're splitting with Penny, I think he's a low RB2-ish. Uh, I think it's probably his floor. Uh, but we need health and we need consistency. And, and obviously, uh, you know, that offense is going to be productive whoever's in the backfield we we saw it you know miles sanders had a kind of a career resurrection boston scott somehow continues to exist you know i don't think it really matters who the running back is it's going to be productive 
And if if it's a healthy backfield, it, it could be you could end up having two high end RB twos with Penny and Swift in that same backfield. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily the case for Montgomery and and Gibbs because I think Swift and and Penny are better overall than Montgomery and Gibbs, but and, and they're and they're in the much better offense. Obviously. Right, that that matters. But we've seen what Dan Campbell and this Lions offense can do. Again, you have the Jared Goff resurgence as well. You're adding weapons on the outside. Uh, this this running game could continue to get better, even though we saw like a historic year with Jamal Williams and touchdowns last year. Uh, I think we'll see more production yardage wise than than previously, but the touchdowns obviously we're going to see some regression. Yeah, I, I think we're mostly on a similar plane as far as the range of outcomes for these two guys. I think that with Gibbs, it's probably a little bit of a lower floor because of the potential for Montgomery for owning the rushing in that backfield. So I, I would put Gibbs's floor around like. RB three, like, you know, RB like 24 to 28. And then his ceiling, I think is, is higher than, than Swift. So I think his ceiling is legitimately like RB like seven to 10. Like he, I think he has that ability with, with the draft capital, with the volume that he has potentially to get, if he's able to, you know, be successful in offense. And then with Swift, I think it is a little bit higher of a floor in that 20 to 20 to four range. And then the ceiling is a little bit lower, probably like 12 to 16. Sure. I mean, that all makes sense. It's, it's, in the overall landscape of running back, do you have Gibbs up in like that top eight to ten? And I, I, ha- I have I haven't updated like fold, you know, any sort of dynasty rings. I don't really do them anymore. But I'd imagine Gibbs is probably the top six dynasty running back when I update okay. those. In the arms of the angel, far <laughs> away from here. Oh no! Your all right, your- pieces. Your high second round running back could use a new a new home today. You can save one running back by adopting a running back named <laughs> Kenneth Walker for just five dollars a month. For fifteen cents a day, we can save K nine Kenneth Walker the ninth or however many there are. Uh, <laughs> God, what are, what happened? Why? So analytically. Our good friend uh, JJ Zacharyson said that Kenneth Walker, like analytically, wasn't good. Oh, he was actually bad. And but Scott Barrett <laughs> says that his college numbers were elite. So who do we believe? So that that is how JJ rationalized that. That's why the Seahawks have once again spent a high draft capital pick on a running back in Zach Charbonnet in the early second round. Um, and also the fact that Kenneth Walker, while he was potentially mediocre with high, with a higher volume that kind of lifted him up, he also wasn't in the passing game. And that Charbonnet potentially profiles as a better passer, pass catcher. But he, it's not like he had an elite pass catching profile in the, um, you know, in college either. So where are you at with these two guys? I'm from a draft capital, draft capital, draft capital perspective. I'm very much in on Zach Charbonnet at his late first round price tag because he's the only second running back in this class. This draft class is an absolute mess. I understand that he's probably behind um, behind one uh, Kenneth Walker at this point, but I, something has to shake out where he's going to be productive. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously going to get work. You don't draft him there to not give him work. Uh, short term, it could be. It could be tough. I, I don't. 
I don't love it, obviously, but we see running back production in this offense over and over and over and over again, whether, you know, Chris Carson, Kenneth Walker, Rashad Penny went healthy. It it just seems to continue to happen. So I, I, I struggle with the upside here, uh, you know, whether analytically Walker was good or bad. I don't really think Charbonnet is going to be better between the tackles. I do think he could add some, you know, receiving out of the backfield to this offense. But here's the issue I have with that now. You you have DK Metcalf, you draft JSN. You still have Noah Fant, who is and has proven to be a very good tight end. And then you look back on t- running back targets in this offense. And I don't want to say they're non-existent, but they're they're low. I mean... Kenneth Walker in 15 games had 35 targets. That seems to be more by design than by accident. You know, you don't just, oh, well, he went, he ran a route and we just decided to throw it to DK instead. Sure, DK Metcalf had 140 targets. I would imagine JSN's going to probably be around the 110 to 115 range. I think we see Tyler Lockett take a little bit of a, uh, a lesser role, if you will, use him more situationally. I think Noah Fant probably sticks in that 70, 75, 80 target range. Um, you know, Gino's numbers aren't going to, I don't know how they can be better, even though his weapons got better. So there's a chance, I suppose, to be more efficient. Uh, but last year, having a career year, I, I think I think we're due for a little bit of a letdown in, in 2023. Um, so this situation overall, I, I, I loathe. <laughs> I don't love it for either back. Uh, I hate it for Kenneth Walker, who I, I wasn't really on board with right away. Situationally, it became better and better and better. And then he kind of proved to us that he could at the very least be productive, whether or not it was uh, it, it was good production or bad production. Production is production. Um, but, you know, Seattle and, you know, very clearly Pete Carroll is, is uh, you know, ahead of the curve because he's super young and understands analytics very well. Uh, he figured that out, maybe. Or maybe he just likes running backs too much. Yeah, looking at uh, Zach Charbonnet's uh, box score scout, putting him at pick 52 is where he went. Uh, your good friend Amir Abdullah with 93. Isaiah Pede of Chad Scott fame, 93. Kenneth Dixon, 87. Okay, things are bad. Keep, keep about- going. Yep. It, no, it, it's this seems to be a trend. I like this. It's going to get better. Uh, 85 acres, 83 ETN, 83 Le'Veon Bell. 83 Duke Johnson. So definitely some higher end guys there. Well, you're chasing an outlier because on that list, you're, you're chasing ETN who still isn't necessarily proven. We just like what we see. Right. And Cam Akers has been outside of the injury. Very mediocre. Le'Veon Bell was the outlier of all outliers. So you're chasing an outlier. I guess. Uh, But his price is lower. Like basically, and whether it's, do or not, if Zach Charbonnet went to 28 of the other 32 teams, he would be the 106, and instead he's the 112 because he went to the Seahawks. Uh, but, okay, so where, where where are you taking him in rookie drafts? Like, I have him ranked as, like, the eighth 1QB rookie. So, Zay Flowers or Zach Charbonnet? Zay Flowers. I, I, ha- I have him after the first round wide receivers. And above Kincaid. What about Devin Kane? Above A-Chain, yeah. 
You have him above Miami Dolphins starting running back. Yes. In that offense. With Mike yes. McDaniels. A-Chain and, was a late a late third-round pick in comparison to a second-round pick. Okay. I, I mean, I, I'm not I, – I will not draft Zach Charbonnet in – I mean, if I have like a mid-two, which will never be there, and that's all that's left outside of the guys that I actually like – Maybe like, I ag- I agree that in a class that it's actually good, this could this would have dropped Zach Charbonnet to like the late second round, even in spite of the draft capital. There's just nothing there. Like I'm not going to take Rishi Rice. I'm See, not I take- am. I I absolutely am because of the actual upside that Charbonnet has no upside and the like most mid floor ever. I I. I like, I get it because it's Seattle and they always produce productive running backs. I get it. But at at no point have we ever seen, outside of K-9 because of his rookie season, have we seen a running back really ascend up the ranks? Like, what was Chris Carson's highest rank? Like, a mid? Chris Carson was a seventh-round pick? No, 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 no. I'm saying in Dynasty. Not, not, I, I'm not, I'm not, I have nothing to do with draft capital, nothing to do with anything. Based on production and dynasty value, where was he going in dynasty drafts? Like the third round at his peak, probably? Who are you talking about? Eight. Chris Carson. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, Rashad Penny was probably mid-third. Uh, K-9 ascended because he had the draft capital. He had the season, and then they draft this guy. So I, I think both of these guys are going to be stuck in – mediocrity unfortunately that this this is going to be a two-headed monster that isn't going to be a monster because now this is a passing attack and both of these guys are going to get 125 carries each 150 carries each and they're just going to ruin each other all right let's move on to qbs we'll kind of pick our favorites and least favorites um qb landing spots bryce young panthers anthony richardson colts cj stroud texans will leave us titans and hendon hooker lions we'll start with your favorite is there one that sticks out like I'm excited about that quarterback. I'm excited about that landing spot. What do you have from this grouping? It's Anthony Richardson and Anthony Richardson by an absolute mile. Uh, you go into, I think, inarguably the best situation you could possibly go into as a rookie quarterback. The entire coaching staff has a ridiculously strong history with coaching up and and co- just coaching in general what became elite quarterbacks or you know, were drafted as elite quarterbacks. Obviously, having Peyton being in that situation, Andrew Luck, it skews it a little bit. But the 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 actual work done by these coaches on quarterbacks that maybe came in and people weren't sure of, or guys that became great that were just you know tagged as good, it is better than any situation that there is. You have Michael Pittman. You add uh, Josh Downs. You have Jonathan Taylor. Uh, you know. This this to me is as good as it gets. The the coaching staff to me and I, we we we've had conversations about whether or not coaching matters. I think when it comes to a rookie quarterback, coaching absolutely does matter. Not to say that I don't have faith in Carolina. I'm most fearful of Bryce Young because we've never seen someone of his stature in that position succeed. Uh, obviously, we we I don't think we've ever seen a a first overall pick weigh eighty seven pounds and play quarterback. Uh, so that I'm I'm concerned there. I think C J Stroud has a lower floor 
and lower ceiling than both Young and Richardson. And yes, I said floor in that situation. I think Anthony Richardson's floor, because of his rushing ability, and I think his passing's a little bit underrated. I, I think he is better in in each facet than C.J. Stroud. We both hate Will Levis, uh, you know, and and going to the Titans. I mean that that is that it, is about as bad as it gets. No, it's great news because we don't have to draft Will Levis, and we don't have to draft the Titans quarterback. Like if That's Richardson had, if Richardson had gotten the Titans, we would have to draft a Titans quarterback. If That's true. If the Titans had traded up for C.J. Stroud, we would have to type draft a Titans quarterback. I I know that I've been sh- I've been you know uh, poo pooing uh, the 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 QB slash you know fantasy uh, you know history thing. The Titans just are destined to not have a, <laughs> a good fantasy quarterback. It's, it's, it hasn't happened since like Steve McNair, and it's never going to happen again. Particularly with um, with one Mike Rabel who can't evaluate quarterback play to save his life. Um, it's probably bad process, but I'm taking Hendon Hooker over Will Levis. Because if you if anybody sees what what the Lions and Dan Campbell did for Jared Goff, imagine what they could do with a healthy Hendon Hooker. Well, yeah, I I I agree with that statement. I'm just not like if I'm on the clock and I'm like, okay, I'm about to take Hendon Hooker and Levis is there, I, I'll just trade down literally for nothing. Sure, like, I'll, I'll I'll trade down from the two hundred one to the two hundred three for a fourth round pick if like. <laughs> I like and, to prove a point as if the universe cares. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, I think the most, ex- uh, I think most like realistically exciting, it's Anthony Richardson, uh, John Taylor, Michael Pittman. I, I think that they'll continue to, you know, surround him with weapons over the next couple of years. And the more so like pie in the sky, real, uh, you know, enthusiasm is Hendon Hooker. Um, you know, he's going to an offense with tons of weapons an offense that was a high volume passing offense that had no interest in using their running back in DeAndre Swift last, last year. So if, if hooker gets any sort of playing time, he's going to be a high end QB two low end QB one. The question is, will the 25 year old third round pick get playing time? We don't know. Um, Why do you got to bring it up like that, Nathan? Come on. Um, so it's very much a high, high, or it's weird. It's a high short term ceiling play. Cause like Hendon Hooker's never going to like rise up the ranks to being a top five nice quarterback because his his age is is going to handicap him there. But short term, he's a high ceiling that because like if he gets a starting job, he has a legitimate QB one ceiling. But also he's low for whereas like if you told me three years from now Hendon Hooker took twenty snaps, I'd be like, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, I mean I, I'm I'm right there with you. I, I this, the the quarterback class is is fun and confusing all simultaneous. So, yeah, so we both hate, I guess, the Will Levis-Titans uh, pairing. Um, let's go to day one wide receivers. They well went back to back to back to back. JSN to the Seahawks, Jordan Asson to the Vikings, Quentin Johnston to the Chargers, and Zay Flowers to the Ravens. I know I'm, I'm saying something, and you're probably going to agree with it, but I'm just going to say it out loud, and I said it on Twitter. The Ravens, Vikings, and Chargers are going to regret not, not using a third-round pick or a fourth round pick to get ahead of the Seahawks four years. JSN is going to be an elite top eight NFL wide receiver and flowers, Addison and Quentin Johnston are going to be good wide receivers. They're going to be, you know, top 18 to 24 NFL wide receivers. They're not going to be elite top eight options. And the, the price to get from one place to the other was probably like a third round pick. It couldn't have been a lot. Um, and, and you're right. I mean, it was, 
the writing was kind of on the wall there and not jumping the Seahawks or not, or not jumping even a couple of spots up where wide receiver looked like it could start going. You know, as, as soon as the Patriots didn't take JSN, all four of these teams should yeah. have been trading up. Absolutely. I, I'm 100% in agreement. I I actually couldn't believe that that, that movement didn't happen. I, I, we, nobody nobody went to, to go get their guy and, and JSN and, falling. Unless, unless they all got their guy. <laughs> that could be. I, I think I, I think the Vikings were were locked on one of Addison or JSN. Um, I, I don't think either the Seahawks or the Vikings had any interest in Flowers or QJ. Yeah, no, uh, no. Fla- Flowers seems very Ravens, and honestly, yeah. QJ's, <laughs> QJ seems very Chargers. Chargers. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm 100% agreeance. I think I think JSN short term may struggle a touch because of Tyler Lockett. However, like I mentioned before, I do think we maybe see Tyler Lockett take a little bit more of a situational role because JSN and DK on this on the field at the same time is a problem. <laughs> um that 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 is going to be up there with your AJ Brown, Devonta Smith. That's going to be up there with your Jamar Chase, your T Higgins. That 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 is one of those problematic pairings, um, and I I do think that Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison has a chance to get there. Even though I've poo pooed Addison, they complement each other perfectly. You couldn't ask for a better pairing there, just like JSN and DK. So there's a chance we see some of the that big time Adam Thielen production that we saw a few years ago translate into Addison and in, in early because. He is very polished. He's just not the athlete that a Justin Jefferson or one of these actual wide receiver ones is. So he profiles perfectly as a wide receiver too. He's your, you know, he's he's going to get your catches. He's going to do what he needs to do. But like Zach Ertz, he's just going to catch the ball and probably tip over because he's not getting away from any of these corners and probably any of these linebackers. Yeah, in terms of dynasty ranking, rookie draft ranking, all those things, I do think that JSN is, you know, a touch above, a tier above the other three. And for the other three, in my opinion, Addison, Flowers, Quentin Johnston, you could give me any of them at any spot from five to seven in one QB or, you know, uh, six to nine in, in Superflex or whatever the, the number is, and I'll be fine with it. Um, t- we talked about um, Gibbs not having a lot of close comparables. JSN at his 20th pick does not have a lot of close comparables. We have sim score of 32, George Pickens, gross. 30, uh, sim score of 32, Percy Harvin, kind of good. Jerry Judy, 16. Kadarius Tony, 16. So once again, not not a lot of players that are close. It's it's hard to, like, you know, the sim scores are, are interesting to look at. But if you have no one above the 50 mark, it basically means that he's a very unique prospect with his um, with production profile. But now that I'm actually looking at his production profile, the reason why it's unique and why it looks bad um, is his final final year numbers. His final year numbers, 0.04 for receiving market share. He was, he was hurt. Final receiving touchdowns per game, zero because he was hurt. Um, so, you know, those numbers probably take down his sim score and would probably put him closer to some other first-round wide receivers if those numbers weren't calculated in there. JSN is another example of the Ohio State the the big the big school the wide receiver universities who have all of these players where the Tate matters significantly more than the analytics because the numbers are never going to match up with the top with the top other high end prospects you know we we saw it with Chris Olav we saw it with Garrett Wilson um, you can throw Michael Thomas in there if you want to good old slam boy but JSN all of these guys said hey we were good 
but he was great. And that's coming from not only his teammates, but his coaches, the the people that watched. If you watch the film in comparison, he was the best wide receiver on the field. Marvin Harrison Jr. is right there, and he has a chance to be elite the way we saw Jamar Chase progress with Justin Jefferson there as well at LSU. Uh, you know, th- this has a chance to be a, a, a historic string of wide receivers. Yeah, uh, and then so I, I said those three, you know, back to back to back, I, I can take them or leave them, or, you know, in terms of like, give me whichever one I'm fine with. Do you have a clear two out of this bunch, or are you very much amb- ambiguous to two through four? It's JSN uh, tier, Addison tier, three more tiers, then QJ, seven more tiers, Zay Flowers. Is that just your hatred for the Ravens offense? Because they, 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 they got Todd Monken. If I've learned anything, regardless of Monken or whoever's calling plays, it's to not touch Baltimore wide receivers with a 10-foot pole. OBJ is going to demand the entirety of that offense. It's going to be hideous early on until he blows out another knee, and then it's going to just be the Mark Andrews and J.K. Dobbins show. And Lamar's going to do Lamar things. Hopefully we see him return to MVP form, but that offense was so hideous with very similar players playing that – you know, I, I I don't have faith in the pass catchers not named Mark Andrews. All right. Before we get into the second half of the show, we'll talk about Roto Viz. I'm talking about the box score scouts today. We'll talk about the rest of the show as well. And you can check your box score scout. You know, you know what we need to do, Dan? We need to talk to Roto Viz and we need to tell them find a way to have people implant their own box score scouts. Like they can like predict what they would have had a market share at Rice University and then they and then put in their their combine numbers like, oh, like your closest comparable is um I don't know who's a really bad running back. Uh uh Max Borgie. Um <laughs> The keyboard warriors all would have been elite, Nathan. That's a that's an idea for sure. Um, but until we get that figured out, you can check out the box score scouts of the actual NFL players with their market shares, their their, uh, their measurables, all those fun things. Use the promo code RVRADIO2023, get you 10% discount and supports the pod. You know we need it. Um, grinding away on Tuesday, just for you. You'll have this in your ears pretty shortly. But RV Radio 2023 we appreciate you. Get 10% off. And let's get into the rest of the show. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Next, we'll do third-round running backs. I don't even think I have all the third-round running backs on this list, but these are the ones that I think can have any sort of mattering. 
Um, we have Kendra Miller going to the Saints, Tank Bigsby going to the Jaguars, and Tajay Spears going to the Titans. The biggest news, actually, out of these three this weekend was none of their landing spots. It was the craziness that Tajay Spears doesn't have an ACL, and he still went in the third round. Like, it, I'm still drafting Tajay Spears because draft capital, draft capital, draft capital. But I'm, like, before the ACL news, I would have had him at, like, the 112. I can't spend the 112 on a guy who is missing an ACL. The Titans are so bad at drafting that when they accidentally take a good player, they decide to trade him away. Cough, cough, A.J. Brown, cough, cough. Uh, I'm not touching a player missing half of a leg with a 10-foot pole, similar to the Baltimore Ravens wide receivers. I, I think there's an outside chance Derrick Henry's still moved, but honestly, who's taking that contract pre-June 1? Post-June 1, I suppose, maybe, but then you have that really try to be a fast learning curve and running back's probably not super difficult aside from picking up blocking assignments. Um, I actually think Kendra Miller has a chance to be something um, of these guys. I think he is probably the one uh, outside of... A-Chain. A- a- I forgot to write A-Chain. A-Chain's the other one. Is it A-Chain? Yeah. Uh, I-, I never remember how to pronounce that one. Uh, so, yeah, I mean... Uh, a chain for for the money is going to be your RB one of this group. I do think Kendra Miller has a chance to to get close to a chain, especially if if Kamara's missing time or if he's gone. They caught him do whatever the whole thing is. Um, he he was not exactly great last year. And then Bigsby, I don't see a world where he's even sniffing the field with a healthy ETN. He does nothing on the same on the same level as, as Travis Etienne. Uh, but it, it could just be I mean, that big a, guy he, to spell. He could, he could be, a, he could be a short yardage vulture, which could end up being problematic for, um, he, Cor- he could, he could let Garrett blunt us. There's a chance. Yeah. And of course, like Trevor, like, and they, they did not, they did not outlaw the, the push play. They thought they were going to with the, the hurt stuff. They didn't outlaw the push play. Trevor Lawrence is definitely a candidate to be an expert push play guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, there's definitely some obstacles to potential touchdown production for Travis Etienne and Bigsby and Lawrence are two of them. I'm still somewhat a believer in Bigsby combined with the, the draft capital, which is fine at third round pick and more so combined with a Trevor Lawrence offense. Like if I can get a, a running back that I like their ability, I like their offense. I, like, I, I think the draft capital is okay. Like that's enough to invest in early second round pick for me and take Bigsby in one in one quarterback probably more more like mid second in, in superflex, but his floor is zero zero point zero zero like take Bigsby might never exist. Um, <laughs> There's a better chance of him not existing than existing. Um, but Devin Achain obviously from this list has a huge ceiling, not a lot to compete with with um, Jeffrey Wilson and um, he also has zero floor though because. Historically speaking, these Dolphins running backs, even though they're productive, it's always like a three-headed monster. It's never one guy dominating everything. Yeah, and then Kendra, Kendra Miller, solid prospect, had, I think, the best draft capital of, of these guys. Um, I think it's confusing, sign, and maybe it's maybe it's because they're going to cut uh, post-June 1 uh, Alvin Kamara, but I don't think it makes sense to sign Jamal Williams and draft Kendra Miller on day two, uh, but we'll see how that backfield plays out. Yeah, it'd be interesting for sure. Obviously, I, I'm a huge Jamal Williams guy. I, I was super, super high on him coming out. So 
I love that for them. I hate it for my for my Alvin Kamara love uh, of of a prior life. Uh, we don't know what's all coming out of the the legal stuff, but um, it, it has a chance to be at least like an interesting, fun offense. Uh, you, you bring Carr in, you still have Chris Olave. Uh, you you have a, a strong backfield now. We'll we'll kind of see how things go there. Um, it's going to be different. That's that's for sure. And I think that's probably what they were going for is to be not the same offense that it had been. Next, we'll go with there were a slew of tight ends drafted in the first three rounds. We're going to talk about the ones that actually matter. There are one, two, three, four that matter in my estimation. Potentially five, but probably not with medical issues. The four are Dalton Kincaid Bills, Michael Meyer Raiders, uh, Sam Laporta Lions, and Luke Musgrave Packers. Um, what an interesting conversation I had with our good friend Russell Clay over text. Don't you think it's crazy how many different weapons Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes have had, and most of them have not mattered? <laughs> like, like, just think about, like, this is a silly thought for a dynasty podcast, but still think about like Peyton Manning in 2007. Think about like Tom Brady in the early 2010s and be like, yeah, like his wide receiver, I guess Tom Brady, this happened to an extent, but like, Oh, his wide receiver two doesn't matter. His tight end one doesn't matter. Or, you know, matters like sparingly. Like that's, what's frustrating as when you see Dalton Kincaid as the tight end one to the bills, it's like, yes, I'm excited about him going to the bills. I'm excited about him being paired with Josh Allen. But do we have much like, statistical evidence that we should be excited about the second or third option in the Josh Allen offense. Just because these guys only need one weapon doesn't mean that they're his, they're only ever going to use one weapon. I I guess is my take there. Um, Kincaid to the bills should be a pretty darn clear one-to-one for Dawson Knox. So you're going to have a little bit of a fall off because I think, I think Knox being in that offense for a few years and, and having that rapport with, with Josh Allen and, and the rest of the pass catchers was important. Uh, I think we continue to see Gabe Davis make those strides towards being an actual relevant wide receiver rather than just a, a one trick. And who knows with Stefan Diggs? I mean, it, there was, Hey, there was like trade rumors. There was release rumors. There was all sorts of different things there. I guess we never really know with Stefan Diggs, but I, I think, I think Kincaid has a chance here to to creep into like that top half of of tight end ones because it really doesn't take much to get there yeah, but he has the draft capital he's going to the right landing spot for tight end production because we did see Dawson Knox came from nothing and became a great tight end and there's really not much to challenge up top I mean you have Kelsey you have Kittle we'll keep Pitts up there Mark Andrews TJ Hawkinson maybe Dallas Goddard uh I could be missing a couple, but there's a chance someone like Kincaid in that offense can creep up and take over one of those highly regarded spots in a, in a <laughs> at a position that is, I mean, nothing after the top couple. Sure. And more likely than not, Kincaid's going to be a top six, top seven, nice signing because it doesn't take a lot to get there. I'm just throwing caution at, like, let's not put him as some elite asset just because he's connected to Josh Allen paired with the first round draft capital. That's my only like, you know, wave of concern there. Well, and and like you said, it, it doesn't matter who they're throwing to. Whoever's out there is going to produce because they're it's it's like being perfectly delivered no matter what. They always get it. It's it's delivered with care 
It's like uh, you know a perfectly a perfectly placed package on your doorstep, Nathan. And would you like to know uh, who Dalton Kincaid's top comparable is for the Ole Miss Buckner show? Man, I could only imagine. It's my good friend, Tyler Eifert. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, ninety-two some score for Tyler Eifert, seventy-five some score for Zach Ertz. Definitely some solid comparables there. That's what's going to happen when you have a high, highly drafted tight end with the measurables that. One, Dalton Kincaid had with a uh, career receiving touchdown market share of uh, 0.30, career receiving yards market share of 0.23. Definitely very solid for the tight end position. So I'm a fan of Kincaid. I'm going to be drafting him in the late first round of, of first of one QB rookie drafts. I'm just throwing caution with the automatic boost of Josh Allen. Sure. Next, um, who is your favorite among, in terms of like, let's just talk about straight up value. Uh, let's say, Kincaid's off the board. You're dead set on picking a tight end. Are you going with Meyer, Laporta, or Musgrave? Well, I can comfortably say it's not Musgrave. That was a very Packers pick, in my opinion. Um, it screams Josiah Daguerre of a couple of years ago. Just a, a panic. Somebody else took our guy. We got to grab somebody. Uh, and they went Luke Musgrave. I think Meyer and Laporta are essentially a dead heat. Um Laporta replacing TJ Hawkinson in, in an offense that can use a tight end. Uh, they are loaded up on on weapons, which is nice to see. Once they get Jamison Williams back, they've got a chance to be one of the better offenses in the NFL, especially if Sam Laporta continues to kind of on that uptick. Uh, we we saw the you know we saw we saw the Iowa in him. We saw the Kittle in him. That's why he went where he went. Uh, Michael Mayer, I, I think. Slipped a little bit. I, I I think our community was significantly higher on him than the NFL was. But at the end of the day, it's still a strong landing spot. We saw Darren Waller produce there. Uh, it's not exactly overwhelming with, with talent. You have Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, uh, and outside of that, you know, he, he really should be third in the pecking order. But overall, I, I mean, an all-around player, Mayor Mayor is strong. He brings that witten, that 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 strength, that blocking. He can do all of that. I fear he'll be used more uh, in an NFL sense than a fantasy sense. So I, I think if I had to grab one here, I'm probably going Laporta. Yeah, I I would lean towards Meyer. I think he's the better NFL tight end, both from a you know complete perspective of blocking all those things. Obviously, I'm not a huge film guru, but I know that the reports on Mayer being a complete tight end are good, which means it's more likely that he's going to be on the field 90, 100 percent of snaps or whatever it is. OJ Howard did was that? Yeah, but then he, got, he, he <laughs> but then he got hurt. And no, I I know I'm I'm just I'm talking crap. I I I, I I'm ups, I'm always on the on board with the all around player being better for us. I just think that Laporta can do a lot of the things similarly, and he's more explosive and brings more offensively to the table. All right, let's move on to day two wide receivers. We have Jonathan Mingo, Panthers, Rasheed Rice, Chiefs, Jalen Hyatt, Giants, Cedric Tillman, Browns, Marvin Mims, Broncos, Jaden Reed, Packers, Josh Downs, uh, Colts. And for some reason, I put uh, Darnell Washington as a day two wide receiver. He is a day two <laughs> tight end. Um I'll start off with my big takeaways. I love Anthony Richardson, Josh Downs combination. I know it was drafted a little bit later in the third round, but I think that this could definitely be a high ceiling situation for him. Not a lot going on past uh, Pittman and Jonathan Taylor. And then my other big one is that I like Ming, the pair. I mean, apparently, apparently I just like pair. I, I don't, apparently I do 
like the idea of pairing a young quarterback with a young wide receiver, a rookie quarterback with a rookie wide receiver. It might not be be good for this year in 2023, but I think it's very exciting the con- the the you know concept and the possibility of Jonathan Mingo being the long term wide receiver two for Bryce Young. Now, if if Jonathan Mingo is the long term wide receiver one for Bryce Young, Bryce Young's gonna have a very short career. But I like I like Young Mingo and I like Richardson Downs. Yeah, I mean. Downs, Downs, I think has a chance. My, my fear is I see a lot of, a lot of Kadarius Tony there. Really poor route running, not a polished receiver, but can be an explosive playmaker and and can create space and create opportunity on his own. Uh, but that revol- that that's going to need a lot of of very good improvisation. What I do think it helps is Michael Pittman and raising his floor and his ceiling simultaneously. Um, but I do think that Pittman also in turn will help Downs, uh, you know, increase his floor. I still think his floor is very low, even though he, he got a little bit of draft capital, you know, that third round is uh, has a, a history of bringing us some pretty good producers. Um, I'm, I'm just fearful of him lacking actual wide receiver ability and more so being an explosive playmaker. Uh, I'm, I'm on board, you know, it, it's, I'm chasing Patrick Mahomes always. I think Rishi Rice brings a uh, an Alshon Jeffrey-ness to the NFL to the Chiefs offense. You know, he's not he's not that that blow you out of the water speed, but he's a great contested catch kind of guy. Uh, I think he's going to have a really good role as far as like a red zone threat getting down the field. Um he's going to go up and get it. I, I think Rishi Rice has a chance to be the top guy out of this group. The other one that I absolutely love, mostly because of his early profile, and then he slowly kind of disappeared, but um, I think Mims to the Broncos is makes all the sense in the world. Obviously, they still have Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. I don't know how long that will last. I do, however, think that Mims uh, is K.J. Hamler, but with hands and wide receiver ability. So there's a chance we see Russell Wilson make the comeback of all comebacks and, and return to his former greatness. I, I'm not quite sure that that's going to be the case, but I think Mims is probably my second favorite here outside of Rishi Rice. I do think Josh Downs, if he can polish up a little bit, has uh, an opportunity. Um, you know, Mingo, the Tennessee wide receivers, Hyatt and Tillman, I struggle with those. I hate the landing spot for Hyatt and the Giants, even though there's no one there. But they literally have seven other players exactly like Jalen Hyatt, so that's tough. The Browns with Tillman, he's he's going to be pretty far down the pecking order there. Um, Mingo and the Panthers, there's a chance to, for him to grow with Bryce Young. Uh, we'll see. Jaden Reed, not a fan. I, I get it, but I'm not a fan. Uh so yeah, no. He, I mean, yeah. Reed, Reed got over, probably got overdrafted NFL wise, and he's going to get overdrafted fantasy wise because of the higher draft capital, and then being paired with. And the it's kind of weird because we're kind of going to assume the Packers are a good offense, but we don't know with Jordan Love yet. Um, but I think people people are assuming that young offense, all those different things. So um, yeah, I I think Reed's fine, but I think that hit like him going. I, I've even seen people rank. Jaden Reed is like the 109 and one QB, which I think is nuts. There's no um, way he's like he's like the oldest wide receiver in the class. Yeah, so I'm out on Reed at his price. Um, Mims, I think, has, has some solid upside um, with the, that Broncos offense. You know, I've been trying to buy low on that offense 
it hasn't really been going overly well because um, people People are more vocal about their hate for the Broncos offense unless they actually own the Broncos offense pieces. Sure. And, and I have a significant amount of Jerry Judy, thanks to you, Nathan. Um, and I have a decent amount of Cortland Sutton as well. I think I think both of those guys have a chance to return, whether it's with the, the Broncos or with another team. Uh, I, I, I just have, I for whatever reason, have faith in that team rebounding and, and that offense becoming stronger. Javante Williams coming back healthy. You know that you now you you have a really strong pass catching group, and I, I don't know I, I I have faith maybe it's uh, maybe I'm being misled by my own love for uh, for Oklahoma wide receivers that never work out <laughs> uh, outside of C D Lamb, but yeah it, it's a that's a fun group I think I think we're gonna get one or two fantasy relevant guys out of that group, and I I genuinely have no idea which one which two it's going to be I, I mean we can say that for anything but. It could legitimately be any of those guys. Dan, would you like a sneak peek? Uh, it's it's not going to be Jalen Hyatt. He stinks. <laughs> I appreciate your honesty. And, as you know, horrible landing spot. The Giants will. <laughs> All right. We'll wrap up this extended nice trade cast with day three slash UDFA. Some of our favorites, Sean Tucker and Rakeem Jarrett to the Buccaneers. Rashawn Johnson, fourth round to the Bears. Kayshawn Butte, I believe, sixth round to the Patriots. And Zach Evans, I believe, sixth round to the Rams. Uh We'll start with Roshan Johnson briefly. Obviously, he's the most like he's he's going to go the highest of these in your rookie draft. He's most likely to get some year one production. Um, where do you slot him in that Bears depth chart? Do you see him as the RB one immediately? He's going to have to earn his way there. What, what are your thoughts with him? Um, yeah, I mean, people are are sprinting to the draft podium to grab Roshan Johnson. I, I'm I'm a little more hesitant. Uh, obviously, coming out of a backfield with someone like Bajan Robinson, it's it's tough to project someone like that, uh, and and he's never going to ever go very highly because he, oh well, you could meet up with John Robinson, and and it very well could be a Alvin Kamara, Jalen Hurd type of deal from Tennessee a few years ago. Um, obviously, Bajan Robinson is no Jalen Hurd, but um, I I don't see him as the day one starter. I think he's going to have to earn that. I still think. Uh, Khalil Herbert is, is probably your guy there in the short term, but it, it's, I don't know. I, I, I struggle with that because I think, I think Justin Fields gobbles up the majority of that, that run game. Uh, if it's not Fields, it's probably not worth having, but we'll see. I, I, I don't love Rashawn Johnson. I think he's fine to take. I've seen people getting him like early two, even occasionally late one not doing that uh I, again i get it not doing it um i am a fan of the wide receivers here with Raheem jarrett and Kayshawn Boutte, but uh we those are more personal feelings than anything i you know jarrett's gonna struggle probably to get on the field behind godwin and evans and i oh, mean Boutte, slow down. jarrett's gonna struggle to make the team <laughs> no you know he's he's going to be very good i have just have a little faith that's that's your next antonio brown uh Boutte has a chance to, I mean, he could start. That that Patriots wide receiver room is hideous. It could be one of the worst in NFL history. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, the, the one that's most interesting here that's more of a long shot is Tucker for me uh, because the Bucks backfield behind Rashad White is barren. And we don't know if Rashad White is good yet. Analytically, he was bad as a rookie. I'm not saying that undrafted free agent Sean Tucker is going to overtake Rashad White. But there is a, a certain thing about that 
he was undrafted not for on-field play. He was undrafted for medical concerns and not even like, oh, it's a leg. It's like, oh, it's a heart condition, which it's one of those things that like if he's playing football, it seems like that shouldn't be a concern. The only concern should be how long he's going to play football, if he's ever going to have to suddenly stop playing football. But like if he's playing football, he should beat out Rashad White. I think he's better running back than him. Um, obviously, there's other factors at play there. But if somehow the medicals don't come into play for Sean Tucker, he could legitimately be a fantasy RB2 in the next two years. Yeah, I mean, any, anything can happen in that situation. because and, and there's a lot of love for Rashad White throughout the community. I, I think I think he's got a chance to really take over there. But if he if he struggles at all and Sean Tucker can stay on the field and, and and do the things that he's shown on tape that he can do, I think at the very least he'll carve himself out a role. I think the other interesting player uh, in, in this grouping is the demise of Zach Evans. Uh, we saw him fall off the face of the earth. Uh, I don't even know, remember where he got picked. It was so far down the list that uh, it, it was tough to keep track of. But Zach Evans, to me, there are some people's RB2 in this class, which we can still giggle about today. Uh, it, it's unfortunate to be that wrong about a prospect. And some people are still ranking him in like the second round. So uh, to you, I say shame on you if you're doing that. And enjoy your shares. But there's a chance because of Cam Akers' seeming inability to stay on the field that somehow Zach Evans gets on the field. Yeah, so definitely a lot of the floor is less than zero with these guys and some high higher ceilings, I guess. Uh, I guess, and this is more so a broad question, do we overuse high ceilings for day three UDFAs because we play Debbie and we got excited about Sean Tucker, we got excited about Rakeem Jarrett, or do you think these guys have legitimate high-ish ceilings? I, I think of the group... <laughs> And, and I said I don't like him, but Rashawn Johnson probably has the highest ceiling. And I get the the Debbie love. Someone like Raheem Jarrett, who I loved as as a Debbie player, even at Maryland, I, I you know I wanted to draw the Stefan Diggs line to the NFL, get him into the third or the fourth, and he becomes a star. Obviously, that's probably not going to come to fruition. Same thing with Kayshawn Boot. Uh, I, I I I still think he has a chance to be an NFL starter, maybe not an NFL star, but a lot of times we end up getting stuck behind old takes because that's our brand, right? I, I don't, I like to be able to move off. I feel like I, I've gotten better about, because I used to be terrible about it. And you can definitely uh, agree on that. And I was terrible about it, not only admitting I was wrong, but moving off of being wrong. I feel like I'm able to get away from those takes better than I used to be able to. And I think that's important for fantasy football to to be able to say, hey, you know what? I got that one wrong. It, it's OK. I, you know, I'm not going to plant my my flag on that hill and die on it. It's it's fluid. You, you've got to be able to always uh, adjust. And as the NFL adjusts, we adjust. So. Yes, I, I do think that the takes get us stuck in that space sometimes. Um, but there is genuine upside with a lot of these players. Anything can happen. It's just much more likely that those day one prospects hit than the day two. And it's much more likely that the day two prospects hit than the day threes or the UDFAs. 
Alrighty, that should wrap us up for today. We'll get a little, we'll dig a little bit deeper. We're digging into some of the veterans today. We'll dig deeper into the veterans next week. Any last words, Dan? No, it's been a fun draft season so far, and and we'll have a continuation next week with the vets. All right, that should wrap us up this week. Talk to you guys next week. Ta-da!